Welcome to East Lansing Crime Warp, a podcast hosted by Brina Danielle and Wajiha Kamal. Each week we'll update you on current crime and then we'll take you back to a crime blast from the past. Thank you for listening and stay tuned. But first, some local crime updates. This week has been quite eventful in terms of what's been happening in Lansing. Um, so to begin, um, on February 26th, Judge Paul Maloney dismissed a lawsuit against Michigan State University. Um, This lawsuit was filed in 2018 by a former student that alleged MSU discouraged her from reporting a sexual assault committed against her by three former men's basketball players. Next, earlier this week, the Attorney General charged former U.S. Olympics gymnastic coach John Gettert with human trafficking and sexual assault. Attorney General Dana Nelson also requested MSU trustees release 6,000 Nassar documents, and the trustees also released a statement in response saying that they will look over um, what the Attorney General had to say. Um, John Gettert also died by suicide hours after being charged with sexual assault and human trafficking. Nestle's office also charged um, a Michigan resident for making threats against public officials. Um, And an update on the Valerie O'Brien case, the state police requested a warrant for MSUPD Captain Valerie O'Brien for an OWI criminal investigation. Um, This essentially means that she was driving under the influence um, and the Ingham County Prosecutor's Office actually requested the Attorney General to assign a special prosecutor to that case. Um, With all this being said, um, this has been quite a rough week for survivors in particular. Um, I do have a list of resources I'll read out. Um, Please contact these sources if you are struggling right now. Uh, Michigan State Center for Survivors has services available and a crisis hotline that can be reached at 517-372-6666. The State of Michigan Sexual Assault Hotline is 855-864-2374 or 1855-VOICES-4. Counseling and Psychiatric Services, also known as CAPS, provides emergency resources for students. CAPS can be reached at 517-355-8270 and the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline can be reached at 1-800-273-8255. So be sure to contact these sources if you need any help. Um, Now we're going to move on to the case of James Johnson, and Brina will take it from here. James Johnson was an East Lansing Police Department officer from 1973 to 1984, serving 11 years. Johnson was married and had six children. Before joining the ELPD, he was an Army captain. On October 25, 1984, Officer Johnson followed up on an unlawful driving away of an automobile complaint on North Hagedorn. William Lewis had called to report his vehicle had been taken from his residence by his housekeeper without his permission two days before. Lewis was living in a senior citizen's apartment complex. The car had been located in a nearby shopping mall parking lot, not far from Lewis's home. Johnson entered the apartment after being let in by the building manager and was met by Patricia Ware, Lewis's housekeeper. Johnson began making a call from the phone and Ware moved towards the door in an effort to leave the apartment. Johnson told her to sit down Ware attempted to leave at least two more times. Johnson took Ware's arm to keep her from leaving, and the building manager shut the door to the apartment, but remained outside. The patrol officer had called ELPD dispatch and talked to Greg Van Payman, 
Johnson informed Van Peenen that Ware was in the residence when he arrived and requested assistance. Van Peenen said he had heard a struggle on the other end of the line before it went dead. The manager, Lawrence Helmer, said he had heard a struggle inside the apartment. He moved to a nearby apartment where he and another resident said they heard a gunshot. That's quite interesting and quite an escalation. I don't think Officer Johnson probably expected any of this to happen. Um, I don't. I didn't expect any of this to happen. I'm looking at this case right now um, for the first time. So mm -hmm. I do. I do have some questions about Patricia Ware. Mm -hmm. um, why was she trying to leave the apartment? And why did her? Why did Lewis accuse her of taking his vehicle? I feel like that's an interesting dynamic to explore, mm -hmm. especially considering like the gunshot. Um, and I'm quite interested in, um, I'm quite interested in their dichotomy, like how, like what's the relationship like if there was some animosity um, and there was this struggle, it's quite, quite interesting. It's quite quick e escalation from like reading it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is somebody that's employed in this person's house and um, has access to basically everything. So um, the, yeah, definitely the dynamic of the relationship would be um, interesting, I think. Also, you're, you're absolutely right again about the, um, how fast that escalated. Yeah, and there's this struggle, um, and there's this Greg character that we don't know much about either. Mm -hmm. I think that'd be also interesting to explore more of, like, who is this person, and why are they important, and, like, these three individuals, how do they relate? Does William have, like, family? Right. Uh, just more of like background on these characters that's quite interesting considering what like the struggle and then this gunshot mm -hmm. quite interesting i'm looking forward to hearing what happens next another person was in the apartment unbeknownst to johnson wayne harvey had appeared from the bathroom and shot officer johnson in the back of the head before the two suspects before the two suspects fled the apartment on foot after hearing the shot ring out helmer looked out the people and saw Ware and another person running down the hallway Later, several people would testify that they had seen a man and a woman matching the description of the suspect sprinting out of the building and down nearby Hart Street. That, wow, um, kind of speechless over here. Um, uh, why would they shoot Officer Johnson? Like, I'm like, what does that do for them? Like, they could have like knocked him out. They could have like put. They could have just ran. Honestly, he's one person. I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's what struck me as well. I don't think that this had, by nature, I don't think this was supposed to be a a very serious case. I think it was a case of maybe a misunderstanding between um, her and her employer, and it was um, it was escalated in something very gruesome after this. Because I don't think that you know there was any reason for her to uh, to be involved in that. But I also feel that it's a maybe an admission of guilt to something even deeper than a auto theft. Oh, 100%. It's something much more deeper. Like, why was this person like Wayne Harvey in the apartment and nobody told Officer Johnson that Wayne Harvey was in the apartment? Also, right. shooting someone in the back of the head, that's like pretty close range, I think. Mm -hmm. um, 
for someone to be shooting someone in the back of the head, I feel like he'd be closer, like Wayne Harvey was closer in terms of like where they were located in the apartment. Mm-hmm. So like, why shoot him? Like, what does that accomplish? Like, if you wanted to just disarm Oxford Johnson to like run, they were running out. Mm-hmm. Why not just shoot him like in the knee or in the leg? Like he right. would have, like, why the back of the head? That's, that's quite fascinating, honestly. Yeah. I, you bring up another good point about um, the range. I, I was very curious when I was reading about this, about like the layout of the apartment, because I feel like that feels really relevant. And we don't know those details. We don't know how, um, like where uh, Wayne Harvey was in comparison to um, whatever room that Ware and Officer Johnson were in. So I think My question is like Wayne like Harvey, Wayne Harvey, was he hiding? Like I, was he hiding there specifically? Like if he didn't plan on shooting anyone, Mm -hmm. if he didn't plan on like, you know, like doing something of this nature, like why hide? Like, like obviously he's quite a suspicious character so far. Um, And like maybe him and Patricia, this is just me theorizing, maybe him and Patricia like had a relationship and they mm-hmm. wanted the car, they wanted this, um, they wanted their employer like money or something um, and it didn't work out that way. I think there's definitely more to the story than what meets the eye. Oh, for sure. I think that um, it would make sense that Ware was in the apartment because that's where she worked. Um, she's, you know, you could have just assumed that she's doing her job, but I really do wonder what the um, the association is here with Harvey, why he was in the apartment when Lewis was gone. Um, and I, I really would like to know what exactly was going on um, in the apartment when Officer Johnson walked in, because if he was requesting assistance and, uh, and she was trying so desperately to leave, he definitely walked in on something that they didn't want him to. Yeah, like what were they doing before he even got there? Like, did she not expect, like, like, her employer accused her of, like, taking the car, and she didn't even deny it, from what we know. Mm-hmm. That's also, like, quite interesting. It doesn't paint her in the most promising light. Yeah, I think that it could have been settled very easily if it was just um, just the car theft. They recovered the vehicle. Um, she was in his apartment two days later, so... Um, I wonder if she was even expected to be there or if um, if he had fired her because if they, you know, if they were on good terms still and um, they had ironed everything out, then that would make sense for her to be there. But I'm wondering if he was even aware that her and Harvey were in his apartment. Yeah, I wonder if Wayne Harvey knows. Obviously, I feel like he, he Wayne Harvey knows, like, William Lewis, like, her employer, so... Mm-hmm. I also wonder like what's if he knew him or like what's their relationship like was this like premeditated even I think like shooting someone in the back of the head and like like maybe it isn't premeditated but I think that's also like a possibility that he has like a gun ready like he's hiding shooting someone in the back of the head like yeah I don't think that's very spontaneous I feel like if it was spontaneous you'd shoot someone in the leg so you could run away I feel like that's the most logical thing someone would do. Right. And I mean, it was, it was inevitable that they would be found. They, um, that's a pretty 
shooting a police officer when they've already reported that you're in the apartment is not very subtle. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. Helmer and the police officers who had been dispatched by Van Penen found Johnson's body on the floor of Luce's apartment. Connie Sonnenberg, a resident of Hart Street, was on the phone with a friend when she heard a disturbance in front of her home. She told her friend to hold on while she checked outside. The friend reported hearing male and female voices prior to the call disconnecting. Neighbors of the Sonnenberg family said they witnessed a black man exit the home and get in Connie Sonnenberg's car. A black man and white woman also reported, were also reported to have been driving Sonnenberg's car near Birch Row in Hagedorn. Um, okay, so they're on the run. Yeah. And you have this Connie character. Does she, do you think Connie probably knows like William Lewis or even um, Patricia where, I wonder if she knows them like personally. I mean, I know she heard, like, reported hearing their voices mm -hmm. before she connected the call, but I wonder if, like, if she's a resident of Hard Street, does she, have she seen these people? Does she know a little bit about them? Because I feel like in the neighborhood, like, there's gossip that floats around or, you know, depending on, like, the environment of the neighborhood. But mm -hmm. I wonder if she does know both right that was something that I also thought about when I was reading about this um I think that you know on a street full of houses that probably have cars in front of them why specifically this house this car was it just you know they picked the first one that caught their eye was there some kind of motive did they have a connection to the Sonnenbergs that's a very um that's a very interesting point as well yeah like why get into her car like obviously like maybe she doesn't know them but like if they're getting into her car, they and they, she lives on Hart Street, then maybe there is some connection there. Like maybe they're just acquaintances, honestly. We don't really know. But I think that's interesting. Michael and Kristen Sonnenberg, Connie's children, testified that they had seen their mother's car at the end of their road when they were nearing their house. Upon entering the residence, they found their mother's body just inside the front entrance. Kristen ran outside the home screaming. A concerned neighbor, Alicia Caceres, heard at her and called 911. So Connie is deceased. Yes. Oh, wow. What an escalate. Like this is my first, like I haven't heard of this case before. So everything I'm saying is like pretty authentic to like what I'm seeing right now and hearing for the first time. So, wow. Like I did not expect that. Yeah, see, this is what- I wonder how that happened. Did she go outside and they just shot her because she's like, oh my God, you're taking my car. Stop that. And then they just shot her. So I read two different accounts and um, from one of them, I understood that she, um, well, at least like my, uh, what I gathered from that was that um, she had been near the vehicle. And then I found another source that said that they had entered her house and her body was found inside the house. And, um, people testified that her body or that they had seen the um, suspect walk out of the house. So I went with um, with the source that said that she had been, um, she, I think what happened, she opened the door and they approached her if they weren't already on her porch. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I, I do wonder if they were um, trying to, uh, trying to get into her house or if they had uh, tried to get into her car first. Um, but they did, um, 
we'll get into that later but they did take a bag out of her home so I'm guessing that her car keys were in her in her purse wow I did not like they have to have known her then Mm -hmm. I and she was just like a victim of like you know what happened like the circumstances if this was spontaneous which is really unfortunate because she she literally did absolutely nothing right and another thing that really hit me was they you know they took her personal belongings they took her handbag um so they had to have spent at least a few minutes in the house to find that so they were on the run why are they stopping in this house for for a minute to look around find whatever they want my question is like what's the motive here like why like why did this all happen from the beginning did they expect it to happen I feel like they probably Mm -hmm. these two individuals probably didn't but maybe they did and this was premeditated we really don't know my question is like the motive like what were what were they trying to accomplish here like I understand running away but like why steal the car like her employer's car and then shooting a police officer afterwards like it's just very baffling I suppose like it makes me question like why like why did this even happen to begin with like it didn't it obviously didn't have to have happened the way it did yeah, the, the escalation I felt was very unnecessary as well. It could have been handled. Um, the first incident where uh, where she drove away with Lucy's car, but I think that the it's very interesting that she and Harvey decided to take yet another vehicle because obviously that wouldn't help her case um, with or without the um, the two murders, but. Um, but she's insisting that she's innocent of car theft and then goes on to steal another car. So I'm wondering if there's like a pattern there, like if that is something that they were doing, um, auto theft, and they just happened to, um, in the heat of the moment, panic and begin doing this, begin, you know, shooting people. And then they, they needed to cover up and get out of town very fast. So they um, they felt that they had to kill somebody again. It's just, it's a very interesting, because there's so much that we don't know. Yeah, I actually wonder what's Patricia's track record in terms of, like, employment, like, mm-hmm. so if she had this sort of, like, stealing employers' cars and, like, harming them, like, is that something that she's done before? Um, not obviously, like, murdering someone, but I wonder if she's had, like, um, a bad track record in terms of like working for someone so I guess that's also another like who is this woman like we know so little about her so that's also something I think is quite interesting actually yeah absolutely Brian McDaniel a canine tracking expert testified his dog picked up a son at the apartment building and led McDaniel to the Sonnenberg house and then to the intersection where the suspects were stopped Police apprehended Harvey and Ware on Birch Row near Hagedorn before they could take off in the stolen car. So they were, like, just planning on running away, but obviously that they didn't, like, plan that. Because I feel like if you plan running away, it'd definitely go different than this. Like, this was more of, like, like, they just did it in the moment. Like, they just realized, like, they couldn't get away with stealing a car, maybe, and, like, all this was happening, so they just decided to, like, 
run away and like kill people while doing it yeah see they if they did take the fall for that stolen vehicle i don't excuse me i don't think that it would have been as bad for them as um because she did have that personal connection to the owner of the vehicle it wasn't just you know like a random person that she carjacked um i think that it definitely would have gone okay if it was just that and she had no other um if they had investigated she had no other uh you know criminal activity in connection to that but the fact that they they killed two people and tried to steal another car is what really did it for me and um, again, they were stopped, I believe, on their way. Uh, they were stealing the car, and the police stopped them. So they didn't get very far from the house, and um, that, again, brings up the point for me of the timing of it, because um, they did find her purse in her house, um, and who knows where it was or how long it took them to find it, but they were in there long enough for neighbors to notice, to look and see people coming out of the house that didn't live there. And then um, they did say that um, their neighbor had called the police. It did sound like they were already gone because her kids had come home and she was just kind of dead on the floor. So they had already probably came and left. But I'm wondering if those um, police officers that were coming were the police that were called by Alicia. Yeah. I agree. And, like, with all this, like, car business and, like, the stolen car, mm-hmm. um, she stole Lewis's car, her employer's car, and it was found, like, at a mall, right? Or, like, in a parking lot. Right. So if she really did want to run away with someone, why not just take that car? No, but that's, like, another one of my questions. Like, what? Like, that's just so odd. Yeah, I believe she said that she had, um, she had taken the car to go buy supplies and she claimed that this was all a misunderstanding, but um, he had reported that she had taken the vehicle without permission. So why did she, you know, leave the car kind of stranded there in a parking lot for it to be found? Um, there's not really a reason in that moment then for her to have taken the vehicle. Yeah, that's like so odd, especially if she was going to run away. I feel like there's so much background we, we're missing here about this, mm-hmm. these like especially her because I feel like she's the mastermind behind all of this yeah the way, definitely yeah I, I definitely feel like she's the one in control here so mm-hmm. we need definitely more info on like who she is as a person um her like employer employee track record um yeah I just feel like it's really just odd but I feel like she is the mastermind I don't think that's like that's like from what we're hearing what I'm hearing it's like she's the one in control here like this is her mostly like and that's not like removing blame from the other other individual involved the man involved mm-hmm. but I feel like she's definitely the one like controlling the moves and like calling the shots <laughs> yeah yeah um we'll we'll get into that a little bit more um in this next segment when we talk about the investigation and the trial as well all right Harvey was cooperative during the arrest, but denied harming anyone. Ware was uncooperative and resisted arrest. Ware was in possession of a purse that belonged to Sonnenberg. Inside the bag was a handgun. The gun was not Sonnenberg's. When Harvey was being booked, he gave an alias rather than his real name. He called himself Rick Davis, the name that Ware had introduced him to her employer with. 
Evidence used in this investigation was taken from both crime scenes, including a jacket that had Harvey's hair on it that was found in Lewis's bathroom. One of the pockets in the jacket contained bullets that matched the gun used in the shootings. His fingerprints were also found on a $5 bill and a pack of cigarettes that were in another pocket. There were also partial shoe prints on the floor in the bathroom matching Harvey's footwear, and both his and Ware's fingerprints were lifted from Lewis's car. Ware had a powder burn below her waist, and a bullet hole in her pocket and Harvey's pants and underwear had lead residue on their waistbands. Autopsies resulted in a bullet being removed from each victim's head. A firearms expert was able to conclude that they came from the same gun. Okay, so this alias, why? Like, why does... I'm interested in, like, why introduce him with an alias if this was like, if they didn't have, like, if they were planning on stealing from the employer or getting money from him, I mean, it makes sense to use the alias in that regard. So I feel like in the, they, they did have some plans. Like, you don't just give someone an alias without, like, some motivation behind it. I think what we're missing is knowing what that motivation is. Oh, yeah, 100%, because... If, they're, if they weren't sneaking around, if the purpose of, um, of him meeting her employer wasn't so that he could gain access to the apartment as well for whatever it is they were doing, then I don't think an alias would have been used. I think that it's also very um, intriguing that he tried to pass with his alias when he was being processed because oh, yeah. that obviously would not go well for someone. Um, and then I, I know that they were probably, what makes me think that this was not premeditated, the at least the killing of Officer Johnson, is that they wanted to get out so quickly. Um, they, they left, they incriminated themselves, really. Not only did they have witnesses that knew um, where they were at what time in the apartment, they also left behind, um, you know, their personal belongings that had bullets and fingerprints and hair all you know all things you can use dna um to to you know associate with someone um so they were building their own case against themselves really because they wanted to get out so fast that they had forgotten that yeah and something else i think is maybe this is like wrong but <laughs> the gun the handgun that's found in her purse of where's purse patricia's purse is it possible that she is the one who killed Sonnenberg, Connie? Maybe she's the one who killed. They both had, um, you know, lead residue or some kind of uh, hole um, in their clothing that would indicate that they were, um, they're both using the gun. So I'm not quite sure who, uh, who they charged with um, Sonnenberg's death officially. I know that um, we'll talk a little bit more about their charges and convictions later, but um, they did not uh, charge where with Officer Johnson's death. So another question I have is like, who bought the gun? Like who, who's mm -hmm. the owner? Like who's the gun registered to if it is, you know, owned legally? Right, yeah. I didn't have any information on that, but I do think that that's a very, um, that's a very, key part to this case yeah I think that what could answer potentially a lot of questions that we mm -hmm. have and if it is Patricia Ware's gun like she owns it um then I think like her background would be like even more beneficial to know more about because 
that could indicate maybe like some some sort of pattern about like behavior or like some sort of pattern about like who she is as a person mm-hmm. yeah and that's just speculation from my end like we don't know who she is really during the trial harvey and his legal counsel filed two motions to change the venue of the trial the case had garnered so much publicity that he said he, it would not be a legitimate trial if most of the jury had already heard of the case and it was therefore no longer impartial the court denied both motions for a venue change, but the court did only seat jurors who had not previously heard any details of the case. After his sentencing, Harvey appealed the verdict, saying evidence did not show that he was guilty. The appeal was denied. Harvey was sentenced to life without parole on charges of first and second degree homicide, where was acquitted in Officer Johnson's death, but sentenced to life on charges involving the woman who was killed as the pair was trying to steal her car. Officer Johnson remains the only ELPD officer to die in the line of duty. Every October 25th, the ELPD Honor Guard visits Johnson's grave where he is buried with his wife in Bedford, Michigan. Um, I wonder why she was quitted in Officer Johnson's death. I feel like they both were. Like, maybe she didn't, like, expect him to die. And, like, that wasn't the game plan here, like, to kill an o- mm-hmm. a police officer. But I think that's quite interesting that she was actually acquitted of his death, but she was still sentenced to life on charge. Um, I think it's really unfortunate that this officer died in line of duty. He was, that's very unfortunate. Um, I, what year did this happen in? This was 1984. Okay, interesting. So they probably didn't even have any like video cameras either, like residential video cameras. Mm -hmm. Um. which I think honestly could have been really beneficial. So I guess my, like what I'm left here with is like, who is this person? Like, how do these two even know each other? I feel like that's also like, we have so many unanswered questions here um, and we don't really have the answers, but um, there is some justice for Officer Johnson with both of them being charged. And I think that's something that came out of it even though he shouldn't have lost his life to begin with. So I think that's quite unfortunate. And he's the only ELPD officer to die in the line of duty. And that's very, very unfortunate. Yeah, I I agree. I don't think that um, it made sense for her to be acquitted in the first case because she might not have pulled the trigger, but she was definitely complicit. Um, And when you look at things in the larger you know, in, in a larger perspective, she, she was there. She, um, she didn't try to deescalate the situation. She didn't come forward and, um, and end it right there. She, she fled with him. So she was involved in it, even though she didn't necessarily kill him. I guess like the best thing we can say is like, it's just a very unfortunate situation and we don't know a lot. Um, yeah. And I, I actually wonder as well if she testified against Harvey, if they each mm-hmm. testified against each other, because I know sometimes if you um, testify against another individual involved, you get a lesser sentence. So I wonder if that was also at play here, like a yeah. plea. But I, I actually don't think there was a plea deal. I think that it's very sad um, what happened. And I don't think that he, uh, that that situation should have ended that way. Um, but I think that it's nice that 
the, um, the ELPD honors his legacy every year. Thank you for joining us today. This is a requested case. Request more local crime and true crime cases from Michigan you want us to cover. Stay tuned for another episode next week. If you have any Michigan true crime stories you'd like to see featured on a future episode, contact myself, Verena, at Verena M. Daniel on Twitter or Verena.Daniel at StateNews.com and Wajiha Kamal at Kamal Wajiha on Twitter and Wajiha.Kamal at StateNews.com.